Eventually, he was ready to talk to me about Reds for Vanity Fair some fifteen years later. Beatty is not a man who likes to be rushed. After the movie had wrapped, I went back to L.A. and spent a good deal of time with him, again trying to draw him out on the subject of Tracy. It was almost impossible. He would parry questions, change the subject, make a joke, lapse into silence, or answer a question with another question. In those rare instances when he did respond, he insisted the answer was off the record. Sometimes he would tell me two-thirds of a story, but withhold the punchline, so it made no sense. In 2008, at the American Film Institute's Life Achievement Award ceremony, his oldest friend, screenwriter Robert Town, locked eyes with him and complained, In forty-five years, you never opened yourself up. He once told the New York Times' Lynn Hirschberg, if you have something to hide, then hide it. Adds filmmaker James Toback, also a close friend, Warren has a theory. Never disclose to anyone what isn't absolutely essential to disclose. There's very little accidental about Warren. If he says something, there's a reason for it. But, as Hirschberg once observed, acutely, even when he is saying nothing, he is saying something. What she didn't say is that the reverse is equally true. Even when he appears to be saying something, he is saying nothing. Still, his evasions were orchestrated with a light touch. It became a kind of game, with me asking and him not telling, in a million different ways. It was frustrating, even infuriating, but it was also kind of fun. As writer-director Paul Mazursky once put it, he's one of the strangest and shrewdest guys I ever met. Strange only in that he's so close to the vest. If you're in a relationship with Warren, he's running it on some level. But he makes you feel nice. By that time in the course of my work, I had met a lot of stars, but never met anyone quite like him. Indecently gifted, he acted, he wrote, he directed, he produced. A brilliant mind. Tough, analytical, inquisitive. Hoovered up everything and gave back nothing. Funny, self-deprecating, and good, or reasonably good, politics. And he was classy, had style to burn. Nothing and no one ruffled his feathers. He was Captain Cool, Mr. Natural. It cost considerable effort to present a lacquered exterior like his, but he pulled it off with seeming ease. Grace. That was the magic of it. You never saw the gears grinding. Norman Mailer, when he wrote about Beatty in Vanity Fair, called it charm, tried to define it, and gave up. I had never been a big believer in vaporous concepts like charisma, which I filed away with karma, vibes, and auras, but I'm embarrassed to report that when I was in his presence, I felt an almost palpable sense of well-being, as if I were a better person because Warren Beatty liked me, or pretended he did. When he came to New York, he would call me up, and we would have dinner. I never quite understood it, thought, I'm not even writing about him now. Why isn't he hanging out with Dustin, or Mike Nichols, or Elaine May? Why me, a mere journalist? Because I reminded him of Leon Trotsky, which he once told me? Going to a restaurant with him was a sobering experience. We were often alone, because he never ate until nearly midnight, and the place would be kept open for him. The maitre d's were all over him. It was Mr. Beatty this, Mr. Beatty that. Occasionally, we would go earlier, 
mingle with ordinary mortals. There were always women at the next table who would stare at him. I might as well have been invisible. Or, as actor Marshall Bell, a close friend, once described the experience, when he and I are standing really close together at a cocktail party, talking out of the sides of our mouths, somebody will actually ease in between me and him, and I'm looking at the back of their head. It might even be a guy. He flirted mercilessly. I remember eating with him in a joint in the valley, San Fernando, when he started a conversation with one such woman, cute, with one of those pert Southern California noses, and asked her what she did. She gazed at him with a glassy, doe-caught-in-the-headlights look and said, in a small voice, I'm an organizer. I could see his antennae go up as he smelled a kindred spirit, maybe a union organizer, or at the very least, someone like him, a political junkie. What kind of an organizer?